When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by BetDAC. Get 0% commission on all sports for 100 days when you join BetDAC.com, the sports betting exchange today. New customers only, terms and conditions apply. Now, here's your host, Emmett Kennedy. As we preview day two of the greatest show on turf, delighted to say that I am joined by Cheltenham Festival winning jockey Lizzie Kelly, colleague from TalkSport. Welcome back to the show, Lizzie. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Uh, full broadcasting for TalkSport. You're commentating on all four days. You'll be with me on TalkSport 2 as well. And I know after this, you're going to another Cheltenham Festival preview. So you're in the right frame of mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm nearly previewed out. I've got one today and one tomorrow left. And then that is it. Just, I'm pleased that it'll be finally over. <laughs> well, to be fair, you can never get too many Cheltenham Festival previews. <laughs> uh, ben, ben Aiken, <laughs> welcome back. Um, you're hopefully you will have shot the lights out on day one, uh, and so we're coming in full of confidence. But of course, we're recording this ahead of time. Um, but very much looking forward to getting your insight for day two as well. Yeah, fingers crossed. Day one will go to plan. So we'll we'll, we'll soon see. Here we go. Uh, if you have not yet, time to sign up for Fantasy Cheltenham 2023. Just Google Fantasy Cheltenham or go to fantasycheltenham.ie. Um, the horses that have been declared for day one are available now, or at least Sunday evening. Uh, same for day two, Monday evening. You can change your selection 10 minutes before the off of a race. So if you go really cold on one, or if the horse is a non-runner, you don't get saddled with the SP favorite. You can go in and you can change up to 10 minutes beforehand. Uh, it's a fundraiser which has raised over 950 grand in the last decade. Uh, across Ireland, Scotland, England, and mainland Europe. Just go to fantasycheltenham.ie, register to play, your name, email address, number, whichever one you decide to give. And when it comes to county and club, go for County Kilkenny Club Final Furlong Podcast. Play for the crack, play for the banter, play for the cold hard cash, because there's a lot of it up for grabs. Fantasycheltenham.ie. Uh, you can sign up right now. The Ballymore Novices Hurdle, the betting with BetDAC. 0% commission for the first 100 days. Take full advantage of that for Cheltenham. Imperi Pass is the 7-4 to favourite. From Hermes Allen, 11-4. to I've done a complete flip-flop on him. Uh, Gaelic Warrior, 5s haven't been taken out of the Supreme. He definitely goes here. Goodland, uh, also the same price. Champ Kylie on the drift this morning. You can get close to 9s on BetDAC right now. Uh, he was 7s only a few days ago. And um, American Mike, yeah, he's still in here. But is he any good these days? Uh, 40s says he can win the Ballymore. Lizzie Kelly, what are your thoughts on the opening race of day two? Um, I I keep watching Imperi and Parse, and that's like just, a that's like a me pronunciation, by the way. That that <laughs> Thank you, yeah, that I'm is a really that's a far that better pronunciation. That's a far worse pronunciation than Ben's attempt at Gerd Menil. So I'm lo- I'm loving this, Lizzie. You're <laughs> boosting my confidence. Yeah, I know. It's like, I, I have an excuse. I'm Scottish, so yeah, I panicked and just said it too quick. Um, I I keep watching him, and I just don't. 
like him as much as Hermes Allen. And I keep trying to tell myself I like him more than Hermes Allen, but I just don't. Um, we know that the Chalo this year has unusually been actually quite decent. Um, it normally is a race that everyone gets rather excited about and actually it doesn't really stand up. Um, he's got course and, and distance win under his belt already, uh, having won, um, having won around here uh, in at the November meeting. He did that impressively enough. Um, my only concern is, you know, he we've seen him we've seen him bowl out in front on most of his winning occasions, if not all of them. But I, I kind of, everything you hear about him from the yard would suggest that he's a very laid back individual who may not need to bowl out in front. It might just be, you know, we see it a lot with Harry Cobden when he rides for Paul Nichols. He's on the best, fittest horse in the race and he just keeps things simple. Um, he may, he may well be able to bowl out in front. You don't know. Um, but I'm not, I'm trying to tell myself that it's not as important as I think it could be for other horses. Um, good land is interesting. I, qu I quite like good land. Um, but I just like the fact that on the surface, Amir Zalen looks like he's, he's sort of been there and done it. Yeah, he's solid. Um, and I really liked him for this race two weeks ago. I was very bullish about him. And the ground really should make me fall in love with him because he handles good, but he's bolted up on, on soft ground, which was almost looked unraceable uh, at Newbury that day. However, no Cello Hurdle winner has ever won the Ballymore. That is correct. No, Cello Hurdle does tend to kick yeah, I think so. out older, older horses, horses who are more successful at an older stage, um, like Stage Star, like Brave Hands Game. You know, it's churning out chasers but but to be fair the shallow form this year it, it it does it does stack up yeah that's the difference is i think the shallow hurdle benefited greatly from the cancellation of cheltenham the mm. december meeting going because the horses who were going to run in the novice trial there ended up going for the challenge i think there was another Ascus was another one that it benefited from so it ended up being a much deeper race than it normally would be and while you can pick holes in subsequent performances of horses the reality is that the vast majority of everything he beat that day has at least won a race since, including Thomas Moore, who was pulled up and bolted up at Ascot the last day. Um, but even Denman won a Challah Hurdle, rerouted to Cheltenham, and still got beaten here. I can't get my head around that, and it's just a strange thing in terms of the race. Um, ben, what's the profile of the type of horse we should be going for, and what's your overall view on it? Yeah, just to back up on your Challah Hurdle, um, Denman, as you said, second... Diamond, uh, Rev de Savola, also second, yeah. going from shallow to uh, this race. So, yeah, I don't think anything has, as you say, backed up. Doesn't mean Hermes Allen can't, obviously. But, yeah, profile. So, last 15 winners had between one and four previous UK or Irish hurdle starts. Finished first or second last time out, beating no more than four lengths. Uh, those that didn't fit that stat, zero from 82. Uh, 21 of the last 25 winners actually met with that stat. Won't chop out many at the head of the market, admittedly. Sold stat all the same. Irish trainers, they've won 11 of the last 15 
and eight of the last nine. So very much another race. They've a stranglehold on in recent times. Imperet Pass, uh, just the type Mullins does like to win this race with. His five previous winners of the race all won last time out by more than two lengths and started at seven to one or less in the Ballymore. With those types, Mullins is five wins and four places from 10 qualifiers since 2008, when one of them has failed to even place. So he does have an obvious chance, but whether he deserves to be a seven to four shot, I'm not sure. I think that's, well, I know that. That's bordering on too short for me. I'm not, kind of a bit like Lizzie, I'm not. You kind of think you want to like him, but I don't like him as much as his price would indicate. Um, You're almost being bullied into liking him, and I know this is the wrong phrase, but you're almost being forced into liking him because of the hype surrounding him and because of the confidence from the art. But we've been down that road before as well with with high-profile horses getting beaten here. The... 20, 10 yeah. years ago, in fact, uh, Pont Alexander was a solid moral, couldn't be beaten, except he was. I'm, I'm kind of looking, I'm going, am I missing something? Yeah. And it's like, I don't think I am, you know, it's, if he was a bit bigger price, I'd possibly be interested, but I just, 7 4 just seems tight. And Hermes Allen, he was an impressive winner of the show, as already said. Um, that race has worked out well so far. Six of the beaten horses have won since. So, so very strong shallow. Um, they've actually won listed and grade two races, uh, the ones that finished behind Hermes Allen. Um, I think his chances, again, Lizzie touched on this, his chances I think would be enhanced if he were to get a solely out front. He might not need to go out front. A lot will depend on what they do with Champ Keeley. Um, his only, Champ Keeley's only defeat came when he was held out midfield. So I would think... Champ Keeley's probably going to go from the front because I think that's where they'll get the best out of him. Now, that depends. Is Hermes Allen somebody who needs to go to the front or can he sit just off the pace? Um, question, I suppose, will be answered in the race. We'll see what happens. Um, I do like him, and he does take plenty of boxes, Hermes Allen. Gaelic Warrior looks like he's... Con- well, he's not confirmed for this yet, but he's not in the Supreme, so we can assume yeah, this is he's, con- he's going to be confirmed for this. Um, I'm never a fan of Supreme or buy more horses that warmed up in a handicap master mate. They are zero from 100 the last 25 renewals combined. Mm. Um, and then you need to factor is jumping to the right. I didn't find out last time out in a handicap at the DRF, but when you're an improver running in a handicap off a mark, let's be honest, that was probably a long way below Gaelic Warriors' ceiling. You can overcome plenty of obstacles, negatives. Um, it will be harder for him to overcome that jumping to the right tendency uh, against this opposition. So he's not for me, Gaelic Warrior. A good land. Now, he was impressive when winning the DRF last time. Winners of the race he won that day, they're often worth following. 14 of the last 24 winners of that race won or finished second next time out. So it's a race that's often worth worth following the winner. Uh, He's produced two strong pro-form speed figures in his last two starts as well. So... Mm -hmm. Good land is one I like for this. Um, Champ Keeley again, or I'd call him. He's been banging in solid figures as well. He won the Slaney Novice Hurdle at Nays last time out. Bob Olinger, Envoy LN, both won that on the way to winning the Biomore. Next in Destination and Rule the World. They won it, then came on and placed in this. So he's got positive Champ Keeley. Concern again if he and Hermes Allen butt heads off the front end. That will probably spoil each other's chances. So there's a potential for a tactical, tactically interesting race. Um, 
And I think I'm probably siding with Goodland. I think I liked his attitude when he won last time out. Stamina could well come into play if they go hard up front. So, yeah, I, I quite like Goodland for this. My concern with those three, Hermes Allen, Goodland and Champ Kiley, is are they all just going to get in each other's way up front? Yeah, potential. Now, it could set up... Like, look, there's got to be common sense involved here, and they're not all going to go crazy in front. But it is shaping up that way, and I just wonder how that's going to, to impact them. Um, and for all that I was talking to talk about in Perry Pass and looking elsewhere, I, I do like Champ Kiley a lot for this. I was very taken with how Danny spoke about him the other day. I think it's really interesting that Danny Mullins committed to him a long way out. Um, and by the sounds of things, and this could be very different come the day, but it appears as though Patrick Mullins is going to ride Gaelic Warrior. He's going to ride Diverge in the Supreme. And I know they quietly fancy him. He'll be on Gaelic Warrior here. I love Patrick Mullins. I think he's a class act. Can you just... And look, you need to be careful here as well, Lizzie, as a paid-up member of the Jockeys Association. Um, but an amateur rider riding in a grade one novice hurdle, for all that he is a brilliant horseman, he's not Paul Townend, he's not... Danny Mullins. Is that against Gaelic Warrior in the Ballymore? No. I don't think so. No. Firm, confident answer there from Lizzie Kelly. Uh, quite like that. Uh, the jumping out to the right is, is too much of, a, of an issue. Of those who will be on the front end, I'd favour Champ Kiley. Um, primarily because of his price. And I think he could be well supported on the day. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he's well backed. I'm I'm finding it difficult to get away from Imperial Pass now. Having been so bullish about Hermes Allen, um, I've almost gone completely the other way and I've, I've almost come around to, to Imperial Pass. The, I don't have these statistics to hand, but do horses stepping up from two miles, two mile two into the Ballymore have a better record than horses who have already won over the distance of two mile four, Ben? Um, I can tell you if you chat amongst yourselves. <laughs> so Lizzie, the uh, geopolitical situation in Russia no. continues. <laughs> uh, anything else at a price, Lizzie, that particularly interests you? Um, no, uh, which is not very helpful. Um, no, but I, I think it is probably more than likely going to be dominated by the the top five in the betting. And yeah, I think I've spent my time watching and rewatching um, the favourite over and over again to sort of see what all the fuss is about and I'm kind of failing to see it and um, don't get me wrong, like he's won his races, you know, he's won every race he's been in. One of those was in France in a, in a national hump um, bumper, uh, well, yeah, sort of um, where they cut, they actually yeah, anyway. Um, and then well, well, on that, horses who, this is a bizarre stat, but horses who won a bumper have a very good record in the Ballymore. So the fact that he is yeah, an ex-French yeah. horse but is a bumper winner, is that going to be advantageous to him? Yeah, or? they come out of stools, don't they, in, in French AQPS mm. bumpers, I think. Um, not that that's relevant. Um, and he won, I, I just don't know, the Moscow Flyer, it's difficult to really see uh, how good that was. You know, the model kingdom hasn't run again. She could be anything, has run again and was um, beaten. Hey, Johnny, again, has has won since, but been beaten in the subsequent two runs since then. 
and Syria um, hasn't run since. So it's really difficult to know kind of where where you are with it. Um, it was over two miles in, in heavy ground, to be fair. Um, but I just, I don't know. And maybe when you're looking at novices, obviously you're looking at potential, aren't you? Especially when they've not run a huge amount of times. And for me, you can kind of, um, you've just got more form to cling on to with Hermes Alain and Goodland. And, and the horse may go and, the horse Imperium Passe may go and win. But at the price he is, I'd rather be watching it, if that makes sense. And take a punt on something with with a slightly better price. Yeah, even if you wanted to delve into something like the, if you go look at the the pro form figures, but not everyone's going to have access to that. So let's just use Racing Post ratings as an example. Um, Imperi Pass is rated one fifty three by the private Racing Post handicapper, three pounds inferior to Champ Kylie, and considerable distance behind Hermes Alain, who's on one six one. Now that's an opinion and. You can only go on what he's done so far, but it does tell you what he has to do on the day. He's got to come up considerably, even to beat his stable companion, Champ Kylie. Uh, and I, I kind of took Gaelic Warrior out of that because I think the way he jumps is just going to cost him. He gives away too much ground. And also, I keep thinking back to this wasn't Ruby Walsh's intention, but with Liddy on the road to Cheltenham, when he did the split screen, split screen comparison, if I can use my mouth words correctly, of statements Irish champion hurdle Gaelic warrior winning the two-mile handicap and Fasal Vega in the Tattersalls Ireland grade one novice hurdle his point was uh look at how crazy a pace they've gone out in front early on and you could see just how much quicker they were going uh, out in front but he makes a very interesting observation at the end of that he said he said keep an eye on Fasal Vega he crosses the line before Gaelic warrior does ease down still finishes in front of Gaelic warrior and that's not something to be overly bullish about with Gaelic Warrior, especially when you read into the statistics of horses coming from a handicap in, into this. It just gives you an idea of how much improvement he has to do for all that Racing Post ratings would have him clear top. Um, is that enough time for you to be able to look up the stats, Ben? I've made a cup of tea in that time, mate. Oh, brilliant! Um, no, it's it, I'd say it's inconclusive. It's okay. um, After all that, I think there's most are coming off a run that was over the same trip or less. Only two have won coming off uh, a run over a longer trip, but not many have tried. So statistically, I'd have to dig deeper again. But Faheen ran over three miles before he in this last start That's before right. winning this race. Fundamentalist also did it. Denman ran over it. I know he didn't win, he came second, but... I, 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 it's not something I would say is a positive or a negative. Um, most are stepping up or have were had their last run roughly about the distance. So it's not something I have to say. Not something I have as a negative. Um, personally. Okay. Um, final selections. Lizzie Kelly. Um, I think I would go with um, Amaze Allen. Um, for for this particular race, but but I I do quite like Goodland, and the price he is at the moment is quite tempting. Ben, yeah, I'm going to go with Goodland. I liked his attitude last time out, as I said. So I go with Goodland, and I'll confuse things even further by going Champ Kylie. I just think he's too big. He's nine to one. 
jeez, nine to one about a great woman her last time out, who was sent off odds on for the Royal Bond. And not only did the change of tactics not help him that day, but he was way too free. That race was a complete disaster for him. Prior to that, he'd been really good at Galway, very impressive against Brazil uh, in Tipperary, and right back on form last time, and proved that he handled soft ground. Danny Mullins in the plate. Willie Mullins tends to win with his first strings, but that wasn't how it went in the potato race last year with the nice guys. So Hermes Allen, Champ Kylie, and Goodland. Positive mentions for the three. There's your combination TriCast. Tote, we're coming for you. Uh, the Brown Advisory. Now, this rain is music to Jerry Colom supporters' ears and bet that go six to four. Six to four, bet, bet that go about Jerry Colom. Uh, the Real Whacker is a four to one shot. Time Hill. 11 to 2 with Betax. Sir Gerard on the drift from threes out to fives. Uh, Galia Delito is a 7 to 1 shot. Ben, set the scene for us for the Brown Advisory. Brown Advisory. Seven year olds have been the sweet spot on the age front in this one. They have won 13 of the last 16 renewals. Um, they have supplied most of the runners, but they do actually win more than the market expects them to. At 14 of the last 15 winners have previously run at Cheltenham. 12 of the last 15 have previously tasted the festival environment. So a couple of trends of interest there. Uh, Jerry Colombe, he tight favourite for us currently. <laughs> and he's only been left-handed once before in a bumper. All his hurdle and chase starts have been right-handed. So it's an unknown there That's a good if point. you want to take him on. Um, well, he undoubtedly at least have potential to go right to the very top. But yet to go left-handed, I said, it's an unknown. Is that factored into the price? Mm, not sure. Real Whacker, now he clearly handles channel fences very well. No grade one experience on his CV, though. Uh, last 50 winners have previously had at least a spin in the grade one before landing this. Not a major negative, but you know, again, something that needs factored in. I'm not totally convinced he's a grade one winner in waiting, uh, the real whacker. So Gerhard, if he goes a bit short on chase experience for this, only one previous chase run to his name. Sweet spot for winners of this is three to five previous chase runs. 14 in the last 15 past that stat, as did 21 of the last 25. He's also done most of his running over and around two miles, so I'm not overly excited by Sir Gerhard um, Time Hill nine year old be the first horse in at least the last 25 renewals to win this aged older than eight does a solid Cheltenham form though second third first fourth and one and a half the fourth sorry being a one and a half length in an Albert Bartlett and he also he was second in last year's stairs hurdle so I can see him making his presence felt at the very least a win I'm not sure uh, Galea Delito Bounce back in style at Warwick last time out after disappointing at Kempton over Christmas. Now, all three of Harwins have come on ground who is actually heavy. Again, using pro form actual going descriptions. So I think she may need a bog to get involved here. Um, adamantly chosen, not convinced he's a grade one player, which brings me to Thunder Rock. And he is one who actually really, really interests me for this. And I think he's been crying out for a step up and trip. He's got plenty of stamina influences in his pedigree. I think he's actually very interesting at double figures. Quite like his chances. I think he's overpriced. Thunder Rock about 14 to 1 just now. So, yeah, I think I can make small niggles and negatives against the ones ahead of him. And he's interesting. Thunder Rock. I'm, Go like, for it. I'm liking that, uh, particularly given his, his price. Um, Thunder Rock is currently 14th with Betdak. Follow that, Lizzie Kelly. 
Um, I find this race um, a little bit confusing because I think for me, I feel like it's quite a weak race. So you're probably trying to spend more time making cases for horses who probably don't have much of a chance. I love the real whacker. Um, a question mark about quality. It's got the course and distance form, um, but that was in um, that was in a class two significant jump up in in um, class. I think it really is between Jerry Kalam and Mighty Potter. I keep going back to Sandown and watching that silly Isles for Jerry Kalam. Um, I I kind of I feel like it was a better performance than what I thought it was at the time actually having gone back and having had another look at it a couple of times, I think I was probably a bit um, a bit more negative about the performance than actually was correct. Okay, in which case, I, I suppose you'd have to go with Jerry Colon then. He's going to be hard to beat. And I think we can try to be real clever and taking him on. Like Thunder Rock is a very interesting pick from Ben. I'd be going each way, Thunder Rock. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I can see him running into places. Yeah. I mean, he could win. I'm not saying he can't win, but um, the places would seem more sensible option. He's a horse you'd have a bigger bet on in the place market than the win market on Bet Deck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. You'd probably go 80-20 place. Um, nah, 70, sorry. Oh, okay, all right. I like that. I like that. Um, I think Jerry Clark I think I think his win. I think his win chances are... are Shorter than fourteen to one, I think that's too big. Yeah, that I would agree with as well. I'd give him a serious chance here. Um, I think Galia Delato is very interesting coming in here. Uh, I kind of thought they were going to go for the mare's chase, but to be fair to them, they were always intimating that this was the way they were going to go with her. Um, she's unbeaten left-handed. She is a winner over the distance. There's there's a bit there. She needs to improve. Uh, and with that in mind, I, I can't get away from Jerry Kalam. I, I don't like the preparation for Sir Gerard. Love the racehorse. Uh, despite the fact that he cost me 100 quid for going novice chasing. Damn it! Uh, in that private bet with Paul Ferguson. But you've, you've won a two-mile novice chase at Goran, and now you're going to go for a three-mile grade one novice. Like It's it's Willie Mullins, but you are purely backing him on the Willie Mullins factor. And that's the only thing you're backing him on. Um, it's not a great race. I thought that Cotto Star Novices Chase completely fell apart and high-class staying hurdle horses don't have a very good record in this for whatever reason. And he's nine. Um, so I, I keep coming back to Jerry Kalam. And I, I do think the left-handed angle is very interesting. He is He's obviously unbeaten and he has one going left-handed. I don't necessarily think that it's a key factor for him or that it's been Gordon deliberately keeping him right-handed. I think it's just the way the races have panned out for him. Uh, but maybe it is. Maybe there's something there. But he's unbeaten. He'll love the ground. And we just don't know how good he is. And Lompresse came from the Sicily Isles Novice Chase to win this last year. I think everything has just fallen into Jerry Colomb's face. Um, or in, into his place. It might fall into his face in the race. Uh, Gordon Elliott hasn't won this race yet, but I think he will. So, look, I'll go with Jerry Colomb. Um, Thunder Rock for... Ben and uh, Lizzie, you're with Jerry Colomb as well? Yes. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. To the Carl Cup, where Betak go 11-2, Camperon. Is that right? Uh, run for Oscar, sevens, HMS Seahorse. Got to have a big chance. 8-1 to one with Betak. Hoton uh, Kalor is a nine shot. Langer Dan. Uh, is the same price, and Winterfog, who I would imagine goes for the county, but maybe not, is a 12-1 to 1 shot. Uh, ben, set the scene for us for the Coral Cup. Yeah, Coral Cup. Um, last 15 winners are running a hurdle race over two mile to two mile, five and a half furlongs last time out. Have between one and five previous career victories. Those that didn't meet with that stat, zero from 162. So... Strong start there to play with. Plenty still in this. Plenty with multiple entries, so not easy at all to pick apart before final decks. Um, Gordon Elliott, he's got plenty entered currently. He's won this three times since 2011. All of the Elliott winners were Irish-bred horses who finished in the top three last time out and had no more than four handicap hurdle starts on their CV. Uh, Gordon Elliott runners in the Coral Cup with that profile have a form line of 1013F1. Last time out winner, Rian, currently around 20 to 1, does fit that profile, so he'd be of potential interest if lining up. Same with Firm Footings, also around the 20 to 1 mark. But Firm Footings, um, he holds three other entries of the festival, so anybody's guess where he's going. You might know, Emmett, Firm Footings. Any? I thought they were leaning. Indication. I thought they were leaning towards this. I, I know they talked about the Martin Pipe with them, but I thought this was the race they were more inclined to go for. Yeah, I think for it looks the best option for him. I think. Um, so yeah, he, Rian, and Firm Footens would be interesting. Firm Footens, um, Firm his third at Leperstown in December looks solid. Second horse that day, lots of joy, came out and won by twelve lengths on his next start. Uh, Firm Futons definitely coming in very much an unexposed improver. Uh, I think the mark of one three four. I think that probably underplays his his true abilities. So, Rian and Firm Futons are tentative selections for me right now. Should they actually turn up in the race, Lizzie Kelly? What about you? Um, this is you know they're always so um, competitive. Uh, might I? I think was interesting. Um, he's trained by Harry Fry. He ran a good race at Cheltenham um, on trials day. He's beaten a neck in that handicap that was won by Hacker de Place. Um, that was a good run. He's sort of, he's not won a race, I suppose, a bit of a negative since he won in October at Newton Abbott. But He's run some good races in that time, including he was second behind Street Three Stripe Live at the Aintree Festival um, in the Grade One Novice race. I thought his run in the Grade Three at Haydock uh, was a little bit disappointing, but he it was reported afterwards that he thought he was a bit keen, and you could you could see that he was 
um, keen throughout that race. Obviously, that's over um, that's over three miles as well. Uh, this step back down and trip will obviously um, suit him, and he's quite a nice price. He's sixteen to one at the moment, I think. Um, so I would probably be be looking at him. Um, and the other one I like at a much shorter price is HMS Seahorse. Yes. Um, he's uh, he's one on the flat. Uh, he's got form behind Roban, um in grade one level at Punchestown. Uh, he was fourth in uh, he was fourth in the Boodles last year. Um, and he won his most recent start at Navin uh, in in a handicap, um, and he won he won nicely as well over two mile four sort of stay like you know staying on as it were. And uh, I just think that sometimes I kind of like you know I like to have a couple of bites of the cherry, and um, I think those would be the two that I'd go for. Yeah, I'm firmly in the HMS Seahorse camp, uh, mostly because of the trainer angle. Paul Nolan has, has had 11 runners with one winner and sixth place horses at the last five Cheltenham festivals. I actually have a breakdown of his record because he's very selective. Even if he goes to Cheltenham, extremely selective uh, and incredibly successful when he does make the journey over. Um, I promise you this is worth it. Here we go. 2018, he had one runner, second. 2019, two runners. He had a second. 2020, four runners, a second and a third. 2021, one runner. The horse won. And last year, three runners with a third and a fourth. And HMS Seahorse has got to be very high on that list because they were they were pretty bullish about him in the Boodles last year. And I thought he ran a cracker that day. Uh, he was only beaten three and a half lengths. Um, lacked a bit of experience, but ran a, ran a blinder. They tried him in grade one company. No good. Uh, you want a flat handicap at the Curra. And last day, he... I know you can point at Felix Deji and say, well, he's not he's not up to much these days. But at least Felix Deji was well handicapped and he still beat him. So I like him an awful lot for this race. The only thing I don't like about him is his price uh, of 8-1. to one. And the other one, I was very interested in No Ordinary Joe and I probably still am. Um, he's much better than the Betfair Hurdle run last time out. And horses who ran in that race have a good record in the county, it's in the Coral Cup and the county for that matter. Uh, it tends to be a good trial for, for both of them. He has to overcome probably bouncing the last day, and I'd say that's that's exactly what it was. He'd been off the track for a year when he won at Kempton. That was a big run. And then at Newbury on good ground, maybe he's just bounced. Um, back to Cheltenham on soft ground, I think we'll suit him. And it's not that long ago that he ran a cracking race behind West Cork in, um, in a great wood, so I'd give him a massive chance. And the other one that interested me was Rian. So I was delighted to hear you highlight Rian, Ben. Um, stuff. Good stuff. Spanish Harlem, I don't think, is good enough to win a race at Cheltenham. But he's on a very interesting mark. And so I can see why he's at the head of the Martin Pipe and and some other races for Cheltenham, specifically the Martin Pipe. But Rian beat him fair and square the last day. And I think he's the better prospect of the two and the more likely winner. Uh, that was a big step forward from a disappointing run at Punchestown. He has one on soft ground. He's got experience of, of big field races and he represents Gordon Elliott, who's got a great record in this. So Rian and HMS Seahorse were the were the two main ones with no ordinary Joe as a as a polite 
one for the British that we'll just throw in there. Nicky Henderson and JP have got a great record in this race too, so perhaps. But Rian and uh, and HMS Seahorse will be my main two. Um, final selections, Ben? Yeah, quickly. I just, as when you two were talking, um, HMS Seahorse, I quickly ran the full trends I have for the race because um, I was aware of those Paul Nolan stats as well. They're, they're exceptional for selectivity. But HMS Seahorse, I think, pretty confident, will pass all race trends I have. So I think he's going to end up on a run the, the full stats for the race. He will end up near the top of my figures as well. So I would give a positive for HMS Seahorse as well. But for this, I will be Rian, like yourself, and Fern Footings, if they indeed go to the race. Okay. Lizzie? Uh, yeah, HMS Seahorse and Might I. Okay. HMS Seahorse and Rian for me with a honourable mention for an ordinary Joe if he ends up winning it. If he falls out the back of the telly, I never mentioned him once. Uh, the Queen Mother Champion Chase, the feature race on day two, sees Edward Stone and Anergamine locked together at the head of the betting. Both of them are 7-4 to four with Betdak. Pay your money, take your choice. But it's not just as simple as a straight match because Editor Digit did beat them last time out. He's fives put up a 25-1 to 1 by Barry Call, so we know who he's cheering on. Uh, Gentleman to me, an impressive winner at the Dublin Racing Festival, is a 10-shot. Nube Negra, 20s. Griantine, ground's probably gone against him, 25s. Uh, Fumble Savola, a 33-1 shot. And Captain Guinness, the outside of the field, at 40s. Ben, set the scene for the Queen Mother Champion Chase. Yeah, run the trends for this, and doesn't tell us anything. The betting doesn't tell us. Uh, the ones at the head of the market, are being the ones that also fit the profile of previous winners on the trends front. It does look to concern the three currently ahead of the market. Um, has to be said, however, Editor Dujit, I think he's been given a run of the race in his last two starts without taking anything away from him or the ride Niall Houlihan has given him, which have been exceptional. He's taken advantage of the circumstances, which is all he could do. Um, but I just you'd have to expect riders of both Energumine and Edward Stone to keep the Gary Moore runner much closer in their sights than they did uh, in the Clarence House chase. So, and as such, I would expect them to turn the form around with that one in the Queen Mother. Mm-hmm. Um, of, of the two, in Ergamine and Edward Stone, I'd be citing the last year's article winner, Edward Stone, who I think only needs a slight tweak of tactics to get the better better of Edward Dijit. Well, the tactics on Ergamine, I think they're going to be a little trickier to execute because he clearly doesn't perform to his peak when he's held on to, but equally, if he gets in a duel on the front end with Edward Duji, that's only going to harm both their chances. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see how Anergamine is ridden. Um, it's just there's a potential for a very interesting tactical battle on the cards. And if I'm honest, I think it's going to be difficult for Paul Townend on Anergamine. I'm assuming Paul Townend will be the jockey. Oh, yeah. um, he's, going to have to, he's going to have to get his tactics absolutely spot on. He's going to have to tread the fine line of not giving Edward Dizzy too much rope, but also not getting into a ding-dong pace duel on the front end. And if that happens, Edward Stone can just set a couple of lengths off them, points up the home straight. Now, I did actually mention, again, on my own podcast with Tony McCormack, who you both know, actually. Lizzie will know Tony as well. Yeah. Um, good friend of both yours from Talksport. I actually said William Mullins should run Chacan Pursois as a spoiler to burn out Edgar Dijit on the front end. But I can see William Mullins did not take that idea on board and he's taken Chacan Pursois out at the five-day stage. So chance missed there, Big Willie. Mistake there. But um, Big Willie style making a rare blunder at Cheltenham. 
missed his chance there, tactics. Um, I'm sure. I think I'm it's sure, also worth pointing I'm, out. I'm sure Rich Ritchie would have been delighted to have a horse in there as a spoiler. Yeah, just, just offer him 25% of the purse. Easy. <laughs> Job done. I mean, mind you, me. after what happened with Lossy Mouth, I'm, I'm not slightly. Well, oh, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe Rich Ritchie said, maybe well, he did go to him and say, can we do that? And he's like, nope, taking him out. But anyway, he's not there. So, Paul Townend, he's, he's going to have to do a lot of thinking about how he rides the race. And it's also worth pointing out, an argument would fit that negative stat I mentioned in day one for Mullins' horses when we did the Supreme coverage. Uh, William Mullins' horses at the festival with runners coming in off being a beaten, clear favourite last time out. The stats were two winners from 95 qualifiers for a 2% strike rate. 76% below expectation. Um, those that ran over two miles, six furlong or less last time out, zero from 76. And Nergamine obviously was beaten odds on last time out. So for all I respect him, fantastic horse he's been. I think there's reasons to oppose Nergamine. And yeah, I'm I'm in the Edward Stone camp myself. I am too. Um, but what about you, Lizzie Kelly? Oh, I'll keep it easy. I am too. Um... I don't think that Edson Dejit will have things his way anyway, um, because Gentleman to me looks like the, the run last time when he won the Dublin Chase at the Dublin Racing Festival. You know, he bowled along out in front, um, and and it was you know it was a very good um, performance from him on that particular day, and um, I think Nal Houlihan won't won't have the same. Um, sort of set of circumstances. I think Energamine, well, he was beaten by Edward Stone last time. Um, Edward Stone still, in my opinion, got a little bit to find on him and they're the same age, so you can't really make the argument of Edward Stone, you know, being the young pretender, but he feels like he's got more left to give I mm. think would be the right way of, of perhaps putting that forward um, I would side I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit on the fence um, although I, that's my favourite thing to do <laughs> and I'm going to say that I think Edward Stone has got the measure of an ergamine the one little um, sort of left field observation I would make is that Fernandle Savola, he was 40 to 1 when he picked up second in this race last year behind Anagamine. Um, and he's currently 33 to 1, having won his last race. So there we go. Just an observation. Yeah, I think we're going to have Neil Phillips on the show tomorrow um, recording a whiskey wine and horses special as, as we usually do ahead of the big festivals. Uh, and I believe whiskey and wine is being sent to the final forum podcast studio. So I'll probably be absolutely wasted during that recording. Um, but he did put up his horse last year. He He's one of the owners of Fumble Savola and he gave us the straight forecast and it came off beautifully. And it is a bit mad. Like that was soft ground to Cheltenham last year and he's finished second. Yeah, it, you can argue it fell apart with the way Shishkin came out, but it's still yeah. a, a big performance. And that was a huge run the last day at Newbury on, on good. So he doesn't deserve to be the price he is. Um, 
and, and I, I completely see that angle. I'm with Edward Stone as, as well. Um, it's a, it's a three for Edward Stone. I I get what what Willie is saying about the different color fences, and he keeps saying it so much that it has to be a thing. It can't just be something that you just laugh at and say, well, that's just an excuse. Um, but just looking at the way that race panned out the last day, even if he had jumped the last well, and it was a bad mistake that he made, still don't think he beats either Editor Jajit or Edward Stone. And the winning interview that Lydia Hislop did with Alan King, or the interview, I should say, straight after the race with Alan King, you'd almost think he won the race. He was so bullish about him and, and was at pains to stress that he was the one who told Tom Cannon to hold him up till the very last second. He instructed him to ride him that way. He didn't want him challenging for the lead too early. And the amount of ground he made up off the final turn was enormous. And he does head um, Editor Dejit. And it was terrific that that horse battled back the way he did. And he's definitely a player. But Edward Stone, I think he's just in a different league. Um, and I don't think I would have been saying that after last year's article. I don't think I would have been saying, and you should back him for the champion chase now. But the record of previous year's Oracle winners in the champion chase is a terrific bonus. His performance in the Tinkle Creek was just <coughs> spine-tinglingly good that day. He's murdered Greentine on his home track, on the track that he produces all his best runs on. Um, and the last day he would have needed it, having been very uncharacteristically making a blunder at Christmas when he unseats in the Desert Orchid. So... Alan King was at pains to stress that the horse you will see on Champion Chase Day will be a much better one than the horse you saw on Trials Day. And I think he'll turn the form around at Editor Jajit, and that should be enough to see him win it. I respect an Ergamine, but if people are going to be saying, well, an Ergamine has his ground, Edward Stone does too. He's very good on soft ground. Very, very good on soft ground. Uh, and I think he'll take all the beatings. So Edward Stone, for the three of us, brings us to the cross-country chase. So quick question, Ben, is the cross, as there's a little giggle from Lizzie, some people prefer to go off and have a coffee and bitch and moan and say, ah, oh, this cross country has no business being at the Cheltenham Festival. I love the race, full disclosure, absolutely love it. Can't wait for it this year. 17 minutes of radio commentary on, on TalkSport 2 is going to make for interesting audio, but I'm still looking forward to it. Where does it rank for you? as races that Cheltenham Festival is a race you can't wait to get stuck into, or are you reaching for the cup of tea? Um, you remember when I did the Goodwood podcast with you back in the summer? Yes. Um, and I said, I'd probably go out to the garden and see if there's any dog poop needed picked up when the <laughs> two-year-old races were on. Oh, no. Um, I'd probably be doing that when this race is on. <laughs> That's dreadful. You can't say that. That's awful. Well done, Lizzie. You tell him. How dare you? I'm actually only joking. I do quite oh, like it. Oh, I do quite, as, as a spectacle, I do like it. As a betting medium, possibly not as much. Um, but I actually quite like it as a spectacle. I, you know, I love it. It's actually, it, it's an interesting race. It kind of, it's a good little break up of the day. Um, I don't, yeah, it's still like, it's definitely not like me on the flat with two-year-old races. You know, I enjoy watching the cross-country races. Um, I actually preferred it when I was a handicap, though. I, I, yeah, wasn't, I agree. I, you know, I wasn't as keen when they changed. I think it's it's changed the dynamic a bit too much. Mm. Um, the last seven, they've been non-handicaps. All seven winners were rated one, four, two or higher. Six of the seven have been won by a top-rated horse or a horse rated no more than 
10 points below the top rated. One that fell out that uh, fell out with that range, Easy Land in 2020, but he was still the third highest rated horse in the race that day. It just so happened Tiger Roll was at the top and was miles ahead of everyone else in the ratings. He was um, also probably, you, um, well, how do I put this? Easy's Land was allegedly doped to the eyeballs when he won this. Allegedly. Because his trainer is, or previous trainer, I should say, is now facing serious charges and is about to get thrown out of the sport entirely. And since this fella's gone to John Joe Neal, pulled up, pulled up, pulled up, pulled up, last, yeah. second last, ninth of 15. Jesus. Yeah, that's... Uh... Pretty damning evidence without having the actual evidence. But um, yes. Mick well, O'Leary has a case there for all that I backed Easy's Land that year. Mick O'Leary's got a case there with, with Tiger Roll. But anyway, anyway, anyway. Not yeah, he, he, he thumped him that year. But um, if we use that metric again, the 142 or higher or the top rated no more than 10 pounds, it actually leaves you looking at Galvin, Delta Work, Franco Deport, and potentially Gin on Lime. To be honest, I'm not massively interested in trying to pick which one of Galvin or Delta work will win. You know, not like, was it 11 or 10, 7 or 4? I don't know. Don't care which one of that two wins. But um, if, <laughs> if it comes up soft, which it's actually good to soft right now in the cross county chase, yeah, that's uh, right. course. Um, but if it came up soft, I was going to be potentially temp- tempted in by Snow Leopardess around mm. 20s. Um, she ran a huge race, I thought. Hey, Doc, last time out. Agreed. First antique pieces sparked. You know, kind of sparked her back to life, I thought. Um, she also ran a solid race over the cross-country fences at the January meeting, and she also gets £7 mayor's allowance. So, I still might be tempted around good to soft. So, if I'm going to have a bet, I think Snow Leopardess is probably where I'm going to end up landing on. I think 20s is quite a <clears> big <throat> price for somebody who we know gets around the course, tackles fence as well, and on her day is a very classy mare. Yeah, so, I, uh, yes. I know British horses don't have the best of records in this. Um, Only eight British trained runners have made the first four. But in 2014, they had the first, second and fourth. So it's it's not impossible. But I was really taken with her run over the fences uh, at the open meeting. Not the open meeting, at the trials day. I thought that was a cracking run behind back of the lash. And I'm not so sure stamina was what did for her in the end. I think she might have just blown up a little bit towards the end of that race. Mm. Um, yeah, and then last time out against in Haydock against Quick Wave, that was a that was a cracking run. Twenties is is just way too big. I don't know what the plan is with Franco Deport. He has the option of going to France for a very valuable race there. So whether or not he's going to take this in is another matter entirely. But Willie started to do well in these races, and he would have a class edge for sure. Um, Lizzie Kelly, is it all about the Gordon Elliott duo, or are you looking elsewhere? Um, yeah, I mean, th- the fact that it's not a handicap to me then just basically means it's not really a betting race for me. Um, uh, I don't particularly find the puzzle uh, that interesting. You know, if you look at the fact that there's level weights, it's just seems to have, you know, you're almost like your arms are tied behind your back or, or indeed your hooves. Um, I would be interested in Snow Leopardess. I would be interested in, um, where is he, Diesel Dallier. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just a little bit of a, a nightmare because Diesel Dallier, he won this, he won over these 
fences in December of 2021, but, you know, he was carrying 10-2 on that occasion um, and managed to beat Potter's corner a nose. Um, you know, the, today he's got to lug round, or on this particular day, he's got to lug round uh, level weights and he's um, he's rated, let's have a look, yeah, nearly it's 29 pounds below uh, Delta uh, de- behind, below Galvin, sorry. Um, so I don't. I I think for this I would go each way, Snow Leopardess, and um, and hope for the best. Alice Plunkett will be getting pretty damn excited on ITV if Snow Leopardess goes and wins this race, and, and deservedly so as well. Um, I wonder if this is going to re- be a repeat of 2017 with Jamie Codd, who won it on the mighty cause of causes, uh, getting on Galvin. And the key with him, I would say, is the going, because as Ben just said, it is currently good to soft on the cross-country course. If that was to deteriorate further, it would put me off him, because while he has won on soft ground, all of his best form is on good. Mm. And I think it's really between the two. I respect Snow Leopardess a lot and her price is very favourable, but from a win perspective, it's really Delta Work versus Galvin. And Galvin is trying to do what Delta Work did last year, come in with no experience, but he has gone over and schooled, similar to Delta Work, similar to what they did with Tiger Roll. Um, I know Tiger Roll actually competed over the cross-country fences before winning this race, but they've, they've done this a few times now, just bring horses over to school. Cause of Causes was similar. They didn't actually run him in a cross-country race. They just schooled him. And look, the price is gone now. It's, what is he, two to one? I think he was a little bit shorter. Um, He's probably drifting because of the ground, but the cross-country going is different to the other tracks. And right now, that is good to soft, which he'd be fine on. He'd be well clear on official ratings. He'd be clear on racing post ratings and pro form ratings. And you're getting one of the best horsemen in the business on his back in Jamie Codd. So if it stays at that going good to soft, I'd probably favour Galvin. If it goes pure soft, Delta work all day long. Um, but it's going to be a fascinating race. Right, the Grand Annual. Ooh, I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on this one. Uh, Dino Blue heads the betting at 7-1 to one with BetDAC. It's the same price as Final Orders, who's been well supported and of course is unbeaten in his last 27 starts. Uh, last year's favourite, Andy Dufresne, is an 8-1 to one shot and has been well-backed with BetDAC from 10s. Uh, Unexpected Party is a similar price. St. Siegel, 12s. Dad's Lad, winner at the course for Willie Mullins earlier in the season, 14-1. Uh, to one. And third time, Lucky has just been backed into 12s with BetDAC before we come to air. Uh, ben, this is definitely a race for trends. How are they looking? Yeah, last 15 winners all returning off a break of 26 days or more. Previously run at grade one or grade two level, and were rated at least four pounds below the top rated horse. That's zero for 142 for those that didn't meet that start. And it's been a difficult race for those near the head of the, the weights, the ratings to win. Um, Andy Dufresne. Dufresne! Dufresne! I've never said that in my life. I'm calling him Andy Dufresne. You've never seen Shawshank Redemption. Oh, I watched a film and within two minutes I forgot what happened. So that makes no difference. Oh, I can't tell you what happens in Titanic. So, <laughs> I mean, it makes no difference. I can't tell you what happens in Toy Story. So, 
I've got bad yeah, news so for you. About... In the Shawshank Redemption, I mean, you learn something new every day. Yeah, he's the he's the scene, he's the main character. It's Tim Robbins' character in the Shawshank Redemption. You're all right. You're in good company. There's a lot of people go with Andy Dufresne. I had to pull Kevin yeah. up on that one day here on, on the show as well. And like normally his pronunciations would be right. And he looked at me with this puzzled looking. So he's like, huh? huh? And it was like Shawshank Redemption. How do you not know? And similar excuse to yourself. Um, proceed, proceed. Yep. So weak point for me, films. Anywho, moving on. Um, yeah, so Andy, as we are calling him, Dufresne, is top of the weights. And it is as a hard race for those near the, the head of the, the weights reigns to win. I'm not too keen on him. I'm actually interested in Red Rookie, Emma Lavelle. Catch my attention for this one. It looks to have prime conditions to attack. If you look at him in January and March over trips of two mile one, or less. Four wins, one place from six starts. The only time he failed to at least place was when falling in last season's Arkle. Um, a race, and admittedly, he was running well in. Ultimately, he was probably very, very much outclassed. Uh, but a mark of 137, I think that looks more than workable for him. He passes all the, the wider trends I have for the race. So, yeah, I, I do like Red Rookie, and he's what price is he? He's 25s. about. He's not that big, is he? Yep. The twenty fives is an outstanding price. Great price. Um so yeah, oh, Red oh, Ricky oh, 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 apologies. Three, apologies. My 16th, thank, thanks, it? Racing Post. Jesus Christ. Uh you can get eighteens with Bet Deck. Okay. Still a great price. Double figures is a good price for him, I think. I think he's overpriced. Um he's he's my main one right now. It would be a race I need to wait for final decks before I've made other plays in it. Um, I like to get a better picture. As you said, it is a very good race for race trends, but some of them you need to factor who's actually at the head of the, the ratings, the weights, etc. Uh, but I also like to see how it's going to play out in the pace front, jockey bookings, to see exactly who's going to fit my trends. But yeah, Red Rookie, um, I'll have my eye on him for a bit. These are conditions that will suit and yeah, it's a big price. Red Rookie, M. Lavelle. Let's go. Let's That's... go for this. Let's beat beat the man, Andy Defresne. That, that <laughs> just, just determined to go with that pronunciation. Uh, Lizzie Kelly, what's your thoughts on the Johnny Henderson Grand Annual? Um, quite like unexpected party from the um, from the Dan Skelton team. Um, he's been running in the right kind of races this year and putting forward decent enough performances. Uh, he was beaten a long way by John Bon, um, but he was in behind um, Boot Hill as well. That was a that was a good enough race. I thought that he that he had run um, better performance, obviously at Leicester when um, finishing second. And I thought that the run at Cheltenham last time out was was actually okay as well. Um, and I, I I kind of I kind of just can't. Uh, get away from Saint Segal, to be honest with you. Um, a horse you'd know well. A horse I'd know well, yeah. So my mum trains him. Um, I thought he had the potential to be a Grade One chaser. Now things, um, things kind of didn't really go his way. They, for some reason, uh, they decided that he was going to start. Heard by hurdling this year, and it it sort of just didn't really happen. Um, and so then he went chasing, kind of for me, like a bit too late in the day. Um, and obviously, it, 
I, I just thought that was a shame, but I kind of think that he's a potential graded horse hiding in a handicap here off a very nice weight. Um, beat a nice horse in Marta de Motz last time, uh, sorry, on his on his debut. He's won in between that and then his last run um, at Doncaster. I, I actually wouldn't be too worried about the fact he got beaten. I thought he was just too far back. Um, and kind of the, the winner got first run on him and he couldn't quite make up the ground in time. Um, yeah, I think he's kind of hiding in here, especially at 11 to 1. Um, I think he's got better form than some of the horses who are tighter than him in the betting. Um, and actually the three the three previous Cheltenham Festival winners that uh, my mum has been involved with, obviously when she was assistant to Nick Williams, they were all well handicapped horses in handicaps. Um, and I just think that, you know, obviously... Obviously, I'm slightly biased. Like, there's no point trying to pretend I'm not slightly biased. I think, but I've schooled him before, and he's absolutely mega. Like, one of the best that I've schooled at home. Uh, I think he'll be able to to make ground with his chasing. He was in the process of running a really good race um, in the in the Boodles last. Was it last year? Yeah, last year. Um, but was just way too keen throughout um, and made up way too much ground, got to the, got to the front far too soon um, and got swallowed up coming up the hill uh, and, and was beaten a long way in the end. But I just, yeah, there's something about this horse. I think he's nice. I I would, um, I actually quite like Sonsigal as well, actually. But um, it just ties into what I was saying on day one about he's by Son de Son. Um, so, but Lizzie, Lizzie might be able to give us some light on this because, so Lizzie, on the day one, I actually said that Son de Son offspring have quite a, a really poor record in class one races at Cheltenham. Um, I don't know, you might be able to shed some light on why that is. I mean, it, with all stats, it, it could be coincidental, but it's quite, it's quite a big sample size. I don't know if there's something about Sondi Son offspring because your mum does have a few, doesn't she? Or she's had a few. Um, yeah. Gladia Tour, Alain, Pepe Lemoco, is he one? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is there anything that springs to your mind why they might not act in the top races at Cheltenham? Um, I have absolutely no idea. Um, have no idea because yeah. obviously the the lot the. the the list of his offspring um, contains, you know, some of some of the very best. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, horses like Jackadam, um, um, Fusel Raffles, um, Burrow Saint. You know, they're they're really really smart horses. Um, so I don't I don't know I I don't know why that would be. No, it's a strange one, and I say it might. It might be something other, but it's actually it is quite a large sample. Well, it's largest for horse racing terms sample size. And I do like Saint Sonsigal. It just his breeding slightly put me off. But again, if it's a handicap, and if he is, as you say, a Grade One horse, 
and he's well ahead of his mark, he can overcome negatives. As I was saying, who's I saying about uh, what's his name? The Mons horse, Richie horse, and Shakin Pursua. No. <laughs> no, the one that's gone from the Supreme to Gaelic Gaelic Warrior. Warrior. Yeah, when he won last time out, jumping right-handed. So yeah, since ago, you know, if he is quite far ahead of his handicap mark, it won't matter. He's his dad is, you know, he could overcome. Yeah, I mean, it. obviously, he's not been winning, you know, the best races that the sport can offer. You know, he has, he has been winning. Um, class threes and class four levels and you could probably say he was found out at class two level I personally would argue that um the race just didn't pan out right and he was in the wrong place at the wrong time but um but yeah I, I think there's something special about him I'd agree with that as well at Doncaster I actually think it was a decent run came back yeah I, well. I thought so yeah I, I I thought it was a better much better run than the the, the two previous wins actually um I probably and, left yeah. he dug in more. well when yeah. it looked like he he had a reason not to and he you know he, he started coming back so yeah I'm yeah, not so I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not or I'm not against you with things he was running before over hurdles at the start of the season where like was, he looked like a bridal horse and as soon as he came off the bridle he just literally fell in a hole um it was a massive change from from that to, to as you say when he actually was really plugging on at Doncaster and trying to trying to win yeah and I sort of hijacking that Emma. no not Just at all I take, the, I take the chance for the, the Son Segal uh, <laughs> breeding situation because I do like um, Son Segal but Son Son de Son I have a query I don't know but I don't know the reason for it that's the thing it's maybe not it's maybe not obvious yeah, I mean, look, critics can say, well, hang on a second, on Petit Swall, won a Coral Cup. But your point is the grade. And Jack Adam, oh God, he was certainly unlucky, but he didn't really... He didn't do it. No, he didn't do it. He didn't you do know, it. You know, that's... So was, is there a reason? Is it something in the breeding? Again, stats are stats. It's not 100%. Uh, no, they're not. Son, but Son, Se- Son Segal may be one of the ones that's like, well, it doesn't matter because I'm a 159-rated horse running off 139. So Yeah. Yeah, well, he's incredibly well handicapped. And yep. obviously David Noonan gets on really well with him, and that's a great booking. Um, and I, I think that case has been made elsewhere as well. Just on a side note, if you're thinking to yourself, oh, Protectorat's going to get his ground, who is he by? Exactly. Sunday, Sunday, just another one to be a little bit concerned about. Um, does does he quite handle Cheltenham as I well? I don't think he does. No, and is it because of his breeding? Potentially, possibly. Yeah, don't know. Don't know. Possibly, I wouldn't be as harsh on Andy Dufresne slash Dufresne as you are. Um, it's a lot of weight to carry. A lot of weight to carry. Uh, I suspect that the handicapper has just seen J.P. McManus. Gordon Elliott and gone. Yeah, we're not, we're not relenting on you. You're, you're still one five five, which is the exact same mark that he ran off last year, when he was second. I could see him being in the frame again. I just think it's a lot of weight to be given away. Um, I'm intrigued by a horse who was beaten in this race last year and embittered. He would need to step up. He's been beaten in this race twice actually. Did he pull up in it the year, when year he was favoured? Um, he was 19 lengths behind Global Citizen in this last year on heavy ground. I, he has won on soft, and he ran well on soft at Cork at the beginning of the season. 
he might be okay. And just the 25s is, is huge. And one other wild price that I said last week, and I'll say him again, is Battle Over Doyen. It takes creative thinking to see him getting involved in the finish. But Dennis O'Regan talked up that Rebel Gold performance so, so highly um, that I think only been beaten four links by him with a horse who's now 10 but is thriving in Rebel Gold. I think that's a horse to keep an eye on with a view to Fairy House and Punchestown. Uh, he'd have had no chance with final orders at the DRF, but at least he stepped forward in the right direction. He was only beaten four lengths behind Rebel Gold that day. And Kerr Sublime, who is very prominent in the betting for this, and I wouldn't trust him as far as I could throw him, which is not very far, obviously. Um, but I get the feeling there's a big one in him, and he's got a course for him. So at 66 to 1, maybe, maybe. But we'll move on to the Weatherby's champion bumper where we have one of the worst price horses of the entire week, in my opinion, but we'll come to that in a second. Uh, Dream to Share heads the betting at 7-2, to two, now in the ownership of J.P. McManus. Uh, it's for me, same price with Betak, 7-2. to two. Fun, fun, fun. Sounds like she's going to go here, but Patrick cannot ride because of the weight. Uh, eight's fact to file has been well-backed. Top price, 8-1 to one with Betak, but that is going quickly, and he's a general 7-1. to one. Uh, Chapo de Soleil, who apparently can't be steered, a 10-1 to one shot, better days ahead. Who he who beat Chapeau de Soleil at Ferry House the last day, but his siblings have all flattered to deceive. Is he going to be a similar one at twelve to one shot? And Encanto Bruno, who's a fascinating runner, twelve to one and a winner at Cheltenham the last day. Um, set the race up for us, Ben. Yeah, last fifteen winners all won a bumper last time out over no further than two mile half a furlong at an official rating of one one eight or higher. Now the ones that didn't fit that. Zero from 173. She so can often knock out a chunk of the runners with just one that one stat. Um, I wouldn't say the bumper's a great betting medium for me, but and I covered this in my own pod with Tony Mac again. I did put up Encanto Bruno at slightly bigger prices. Um, oi, oi. Sean Bowen has been booked for him, so they obviously wanted their who you know he was getting there quick and get somebody booked for him. Um, he actually did not. I had a quite look, a look at the pro form speed figures, which I didn't do when I first looked at it. Wasn't a great speed figure he produced last time out, but the form of that race has worked out well because the second horse, strong leader, uh, has won three times Over since then. Yeah, yep. he went hurdling and he's won fifteen lengths. He won by last time out. The form has been boosted to a certain extent, I would say. Um, but yeah, I quite like Encanto Bruno, but I was also looking at Pour les Filets. That's got to be right pronunciation. Who? <laughs> Pour les Filets. That Gordon Elliott horse. Yeah. Um, so I noticed it's been drifting, but I'm not, I'm not, doesn't worry me that unless, you know, if it's not going to run, it's not going to run, but Poulet Filets from Gornell, it does fit that trend I mentioned. One at Leperstown on Boxing Day. Of course, a decent speed figure in the process. He also won his sole point-to-point start. The last 15 champion bumper winners either had never run in a point-to-point or had run and won in a point-to-point. In fact, three of the last four bumper winners had won their only point-to-point start. I also noted that since 2017, Elliott runners in the bumper, the one last time out, and we're returning off a break of between 21 and 90 days, like Poulet Filet is, they return a form line of 2nd, 3rd, 5th, 15th, 1st and 1st. So only one of them disappointed in that form line. And yeah, Poulet Filet is tempting me at 20s. Big price. Elliot seems to be getting the hang of this 
champion bumper malarkey. So that's tentatively where I'm sitting at, Poulet Filet. Lizzie Kelly, for you. Um, tricky. I I like fun, fun, fun. Um, obviously she'll have the the weight allowance as well. Uh, given the fact that she's a filly, it was difficult to sort of um. Obviously, Paddy Mullins was was very enthusiastic after she won at the Dublin Racing Festival, but uh, he bred her, so uh, you have to kind of slightly take that with a pinch of salt. Yes, and, and um, if you're interested, he has another one at home that you can also buy. Yeah, I'm sure he sort of probably got like a video out of it walking or something, really, really pushed the point. Um, I quite like Queen's Gamble. Um, I know she's got a lot to find um because she's she's one at listed level and she beat she beat Bonte as well on that occasion and, and actually visually she was very impressive um and um Bonte has has won since um over over hurdles and I I just wonder if the the fact that she was beaten in the Allen Swim Bank Cup at Market Raisin the following time has kind of given her a bigger price. But sort of one of those things where you're going out to ride a horse that everyone's going to try and beat. And uh, she was carrying the most weight in that race by four pounds uh, to the winner, for example, more than more, much more than some of the others. Um, and I thought she still put in a decent performance. Um, she was in front way too soon I, that day as well. I'd say if Johnny could have that was, right back. She was, yeah, and no one went it. with her and she just sort of started tying up. It's a long way home at Market Raisin. Um, and she just sort of, yeah, kind of idled in, in front. And it was in the beginning of February and she hadn't run previously since the beginning of November. You know, there were, there were a few factors um, giving weight away, everyone riding to beat her in particular. Um, in this, as, uh, as well as fun, 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 obviously she would receive an allowance as well. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think for me, I would be looking at her. Obviously, Oliver Sherwood has had his trials and tribulations. Um, so I'm sort of hoping for a fairy tale. I think that's fair to say um, that, you know, I've, I've kind of, I'm almost attracted to Queen's Gamble because I really do want the fairy tale. Um, and, and I suppose in a race like this where we don't know a huge amount about them, um, I would be inclined to, to try and find um, or, or perhaps I'm more susceptible, more vulnerable to to a good story as opposed to um, as opposed to rock solid form. Yeah, look, I I don't think she needs to find that much. I think she is a no. I think she's a huge no. player. Others have proved themselves a little bit better, a little bit more, having won. Um, you know, obviously higher graded races. Yeah, um, but. And, and I suppose if you're really looking at it in a pernickety sort of way, you know, a listed race, winning a listed race is not as good as winning a, a grade two, for example. But yeah, I, I, I see what you mean. Yeah. Like, I agree. Obviously, I agree. I mean, your your form angle was Bontanay, which is, which is a good one. She beat Mullenbeg first time out of Cheltenham. 
who was yes, sent off right. the odds on favorite that day. She murdered her. She's gone on to win three times since in and then ran a cracking race uh, at Kempton the last day behind the horse I put up, Rubert, uh, uh, Rubond. And I was really bullish that Rubond would win that race. Uh, and Mullen, I was really impressed with how Mullenbeg fought towards the finish there. So that form is, is being advertised, albeit over hurdles. I, in the back of my mind, I have a feeling Oliver Sherwood's horses weren't exactly firing when she ran that time as well. I, I'm sure I read out a stat on TalkSport that said something like Oliver Sherwood hasn't had a winner for 65 days. Something along those lines. Maybe I, maybe that was January and not February, but I, I do remember reading that out and being a little bit taken aback by it. And of course, Oliver has had much more important things to be dealing with. Um, she's definitely a player and her price is very appealing. Um I really like Encanto Bruno. I'm not so sure about the ground for him. Um, that would be a slight doubt, but Sean Bowen's a cracking booking. Tom Scudamore was on board the last day and it would have been his ride, but obviously he has decided to to quit. Everyone's getting very excited about a dream to share. I can completely see it. He was very impressive. I think it's for me is a horrible price here. A horrible price. And I wouldn't be at all convinced that Patrick Mullins is going to ride him. Um, he was very impressive. And it looks great, Patrick, looking between his legs for dangers. Everything he beat that day that has won since has been lapped. He beat Muck. And he does not deserve to be the price that he is. He might be a superstar, but he shouldn't be the price he is. I think Factifile is the one that's coming in for support, and it's the right way to go. John Kiley is a wonderful trainer. He is a legend. He has never trained a Cheltenham Festival winner. Yes, he was involved in a stairs hurdle winner back in 19 dickety do, as Dennis corrected me. But his name wasn't on the license. He's only trained one winner in mainland Great Britain, and that was the listed bumper winner at Aintree back in 2009. He had the one-two that day. He is an exceptionally talented trainer, but now you're going to Cheltenham, and you're going up against the man who has won this race more than anybody else and has more wins to his name than any other trainer in the history of the sport in Willie Mullins. And I think Factifile is right up there. I think he might be the best of them. His best bumper horse probably isn't going. Ballyburn goes to Punchestown instead, which is a bit frustrating. But Factifile is is right there. And I don't think that J.P. McMahon has forked out all the money to Brian Gleason for a dream to share because he went, oh, I can't win the champion bumper now. I think he bought him because of how highly they regard Factifile. And they have pulled miles clear of everything else that day. And if there's a horse who is going to be really suited to the stiff uphill climb of Cheltenham, the stiff finish and the soft ground that they're likely to encounter, it's Factifile rather than a dream share. I don't know if he might just be a little bit too quick, which sounds counterintuitive. Patrick sounded pretty bullish about him turning the form around, and I thought it was very interesting when I interviewed Danny Mullins last week for TalkSport, and we put it out in the final furlong, that when I said to him, how do you see the bumper going? He went, oh, I can see Patrick Redden fact to file. Uh, now, if he's not on board, I don't know if the Gleason thing is still going to be going to be a factor if, if young Gleason gets to keep the ride and a dream to share it is JP's horse now and I'm sure Mark Walsh wants a ride so Mark is going to be on board one of a dream to share or fact to file you would think um, I did hear that he does keep the ride really well that's and very that fair last, uh, that was last week obviously after uh, the horse was was sold to the new connections mm. and now things change obviously but um I, I did. I did hear that he and actually, Mr. McManus is very good at supporting uh, jockeys, isn't he? I yeah. know he obviously has his, his top people, but he's very good at, at supporting younger younger jockeys. 
Yeah, he is. And he's very fair that way. And look, amateurs have won this race. Robbie McNamara, Katie Walsh. It's an insult to call Jamie Codd and Patrick Mullins amateurs. Um, but Ruby Walsh, Tom Scudamore, Paul Townend, Rachel Blackmore uh, as professionals. Like, amateurs do win this race. Just depends on experience. And it's a lot of pressure on the young lad. It's a lot of pressure on him. And you have to bear that in mind when you're backing him. Like, he looks a machine. He might just be way too classy and thrash everything. I think the nature of the race, the way it'll pan out, the going, the stiff uphill climb, all plays into factor file strength. And he would be the one I would go with. Um, with a, with definitely an each way pick on Queen's Gamble, but factor file is, is the pick for me. Uh, final selections in the bumper, Ben? Uh, Poulet Filet. Loving that. Uh, brief word on better days ahead. I was very keen on him. But having gone through the pedigree, geez, that mare has thrown out a lot of horses and they don't really do a whole lot. None of them have done it at a graded level. Um, one of them won 48 grand for John Joe O'Neill. I think he cost like 200k. Yeah, 145,000. They just, they flatter. Could be that he's the different one. Um, I wonder about the fact that Gordon Elliott is sending so many runners to this race. What does that say about his bumper crop? Because when he's won it, it's been with the only horse He's just had the one runner. So Fiona was his only representative when she won. Envoy Len was his only representative. That used to be a thing with Willie Mullins. If he came up mob-handed, forget him. If he went with one horse, like Champagne Fever, then you'd be all over him. But maybe that's just the changing nature of the game because Gordon and Willie have so much stock at their disposal and so much firepower that it's just getting stronger. But it is intriguing that his only two runners came with just one runner in the race. That would worry me. So uh, Lizzie, final selection for you. I think I'm going to go with Queen's Gamble. Yeah, stick with her. 20s. 20s Queen's Gamble. Uh, and fact to file for me, who the 10s have disappeared, the 11s have disappeared, uh, 7 to 1 as we record with Betdak. Even the 8 to 1 just vanished. I promise you I did not back him. Uh, yet, that is, yet. Right, you have got a free bet from the good folks at Betdak. You can do a £10 Trixie or a £4 Yankee. Uh, Trixie is three horses, Yankee is four horses. And all winnings, it's win only, and all winnings go directly to the Irish Injured Jockeys Fund. Uh, ben, you swung for the fences on day one, and you went for other days. What are you going to do for day two? Won't be swinging quite as well, but still, it's for charity. So, you know, I'm not going to play it safe. Um, and again, yes, I'm, I'm going for other days. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, just why change? So, Queen, but I do have one, Queen Mother. Edward Stone, Mayor's Novice, Astro Diamond, Albert Bartlett, Sandor Clagan, Gold Cup, Brave Man's Game. Don't say that too loudly because you have the president of the Gallup de Champ fan club here in Lizzie Kelly and I'm vice president. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to charity. It's a free bet. Yeah. No, I'm, yeah. I'm shooting for the prices. Liz, Liz, calm down, Lizzie. Lizzie, put that knife down. Put, it's just an opinion. <laughs> We're all friends here, all right? We're all friends here. He's not saying that he's rubbish. He's just going for the value. Uh, Lizzie, what is your three or four horses uh, for the Betdak Charity Bet? Um, so I've sort of done a, a bit of a mix. Um, I've got Rare Edition in the Supreme. Deary me. Um, I've got... Uh, where is it? Oh, yes. West Balboa. In the mayor's hurdle. What in the name of God is going on? Yeah. 
Um, I've got Saint Segal in the Grand Annual. And I've got Queen's Gamble in uh, the Bumper, obviously. My God, that bet's going to pay an absolute fortune if it comes up. I love that. That's great. That's what charity bet should be. Absolutely. Yeah. But Thank that's you. What, that's I thought absolutely. I may as well. I may as well sort of do it with a little bit of a hope and a prayer. Go yeah, hard. Free bet. Yeah. yeah. Free bet, and you could you could change people's lives with that return for charity. Great, great thinking, Lizzie. I'm I'm all for that. If this comes okay. off, you'll bankrupt <laughs> BetDAC, but at least it'll all go to a very worthy. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> Thankfully, they get to delay it through other people because it's a bit of well, exchange. Might, they might not be thanking me if I go and do my own as well. I'm, so I'm suspecting that now that you're no longer a jockey, that that's exactly what you're going to do. Um, I mean, you can't just be sitting there going, oh, isn't that great that I made all that money for that charity while going, oh, my God, I could be on a plane to Dubai with first-class tickets. What have I done? Um, <laughs> so mine aren't as original. Uh, as as is, I know, I know, but it is. I am going to confine it all to day two, though. Ben, um, <laughs> my day two selections are yeah. Jerry Colom. I know, I know, I know. Edward Stone. I know, I know, I know. Champ Kylie. And Factifile. That's my bet, Dak Yankee for day two. Uh, that's it. Hope you've enjoyed it. Um, I know that Lizzie is going to race off to a Cheltenham preview now and give more great insight there. Uh, and Lizzie is with me. All week on Talk Sports, you will be commentating alongside the legend himself, Rupert Bell. So I'll have your company on the preview show on Wednesday morning. You'll be doing commentary for us, Champion Hurdle Day, uh, Champion Chase Day, Stairs Hurdle Day, and Gold Cup Day. And I'm anchoring the coverage on the Tuesday and on the Friday. Lee's in the hot seat on Wednesday and Thursday. I'm pundit those days. So looking forward to teaming up with you again, Lizzie. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks so much. You will not miss a minute of the action on TalkSport. And uh, Ben, you were mentioning your podcast. What is it called with Tony McCormack and where can listeners get it? Me and Tony McCormack, uh, we have the Racing Pod Blast. 20 minutes. Nice short and short because we both have terrible attention spans. Um, and you can well, follow us on Twitter. Go to my website, narrowinthefield.co.uk. Um, plenty of links up for it there. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that. And Tony McCormick is a shrewd, shrewd man. He often bangs in a big price winner on Racing Live on TalkSport 2. You'll hear him throughout the week as well, Willie McKenzie and myself. Uh, don't forget to sign up for fantasycheltenham.ie. You are getting five horses for the first five races each day. You can change your selection 10 minutes before the off. It's only 20 quid to play, 20 euro or 20 pounds. Uh, sign up now at fantasycheltenham.ie. It's raised over 950 grand for worthy causes in the last 10 years. Uh, you, when you sign up, give your name, email, number, whichever one it is you want to go for. And when you're signing up for county, go County Kilkenny. I know, if you're a Cork person or if you're in Dublin, you really don't want to do that. But County Kilkenny, Tipperary fans definitely don't want to do that. County Kilkenny gets you final furlong podcast. Uh, 20 quid to play. Massive prize money up for grabs. Come and take us on if you think you're clever enough. FantasyCheltenham.ie for more. And don't forget that BetDAC are 0% commission if you sign up now for 100 days. My goodness, that's ridiculous. Uh, we are back for previews of day three in the company of Paul Jacobs, six-time champion tipster, and Mark Milligan. And the boys are back. Dennis O'Regan, Barry Call as we preview Gold Cup Day. Uh, all those shows are coming your way very, very soon. Remember to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Uh, it helps out the old algorithm. If I can use my mouth words correctly, five-star rating, whichever app you're using as well, is a big help. Like and share on social media. All that stuff, all that malarkey. Enjoy day two. 
Hopefully, we're going to shoot the lights out. Be safe, be well. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by BetDAC. Get 0% commission on all sports for 100 days when you join BetDAC.com, the sports betting exchange today. New customers only. Terms and conditions apply.